Welcome to this Thursday evening meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. This evening's message is by Paul Abel. Good evening everyone, this is Paul. Welcome to the Thursday evening podcast from Kingdom Faith in Scarborough. Just to say tonight, after the talk, we celebrated communion together. So if you want to take part in that, you might want to get your bread and wine ready right now. Other than that, I hand over to the evening at Kingdom Faith. Thanks. Good evening everybody. Thank you for allowing me to drink a bit of my coffee. <laughs> We're kind of relaxed. Some still are drinking their coffee. So there you go. Um, one of the things we are going to do tonight is I felt the Lord does want us to pray uh, about tomorrow night. It's going to be a significant night. I don't know whether that's significant in what happens or significant in what he's going to do in people's lives that are here. Or maybe it's just one person. You don't know with God. When he says significant, it's significant to his eternal purposes. So you might not notice any difference yourself, or you might see incredible things. You just don't know. You just know that God says it's significant. So I'm looking forward to that. I really am looking forward to tomorrow night. Last year was amazing. uh, And we felt, how can we outdo ourselves after last year? Well, I think the efforts people have put in this year... We will all be amazed at ourselves, as well as the Lord, of course. <laughs> Sorry, God. <laughs> uh, and we'll have a fun evening. It's about us coming together and enjoying ourselves as well. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's good for us just to do things together. Now, before we do that, and you're got, you, want, you, you want some time to say something, you've got a, Before we pray, you've got a word, haven't you? Yeah. Okay, so... From Ephesians, I think since we've been going through it, through it, it's it's. Uh, I think it's been amazing, really wonderful, how God has really spoken to us. Well, He's spoken to me. Hopefully, He's spoken to you as well. <laughs> I've conveyed some of the things He's said to me, and as you've read the book of Ephesians, uh, you too have. Uh, I suppose that wisdom of spirit of wisdom and revelation is one of the keys, isn't it? God. I believe said we would look at things that are familiar and the example of that was Sally talking from that parable but we would look at things familiar but he would give us fresh revelation for what he was doing with us right now and uh, there's been many many things you know that I've got marked here that oh that was significant that was in fact it's it's starting to become like almost every bit ends up underlined if you're not careful, doesn't it? Because, oh, that's significant, oh, that's significant, oh, that's significant, that's significant. Oh, right, it's just all one underlined piece now. I have to go through with a rubber. <laughs> but, um, well, there's a couple of things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with verse 18 in chapter 2. For through Jesus we have access to the Father by one spirit. Or it says, for through him we both there. But the context is... I like it there because it's, it's such a clear picture of the Trinity. For through Jesus, who he's talking about, we have access to the Father by one Spirit. And that is so significant in everything that God is doing. The, the, the emphasis he's given us longer than just recently, over the past year or two on the Trinity, I think is also of great significance for what he wants to do. It all kind of links together. And it was that community of the Trinity, and we really first, or uh, 
mentioned the Trinity in a sort of a focus way when we talked about the dance, the divine dance and the perichoresis and back to then, and that different way of looking at the Trinity. But then seeing that in the statement, the great Jewish statement of belief, knowing that the Lord your God is one, the one is the, as you know, because I keep saying this, but it's so important, it's the one of a collection that is one rather than one unique. So know that the Lord your God is one. It's the same, you could say, quite correctly, know that the church is one body. We don't mean there's only one person in it. Um, In God's case, there is one God, but there's three persons, but it's this perfect community in heaven. It's called the imminent trinity. It's the trinity in heaven. And if you look at the action of the trinity on earth, it's called the economic trinity. There you go. Economic as in working, not as in finances. (laughs) We don't really use the word economic like that anymore, but theologians do, so you have the imminent trinity and the economic trinity. But anyway, um, from that trinity we get this, the idea that we're all together in one household with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, as it says here. In him, the whole building is joined Together, And this word together comes up a lot. It's just like the word in, or the two words in Christ come up a lot in Ephesians. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. That place of habitation, the place where God can be found. And if you think back to one of those foundational scriptures and it was heard or it was noise that Jesus was in the house, you can suddenly see a thread there that God is using. And when he's talking about and it was noised in the house, he's not talking about a physical place. He's not talking about Lamplu House. He wasn't talking about the summit when we got that scripture. He was talking that it would be heard in the house, in amongst the people who are the dwelling place of the Lord. So it will be heard that God is in us. Now, because we use this place a lot, there is a very much a sense of it will be heard that God is here in this place as well. Of course, because God's in us. But the, the emphasis is on when the people are together. Okay? I, I think that is crucial for what God is doing. And that's when, um, as we've seen over the past couple of times that I've spoken, then Paul leaps into, he's just about to pray, he says, for this reason... And then he stops, so you have this like bit that's in brackets, where because he's just told everybody the importance of knowing that we are one dwelling, and we're one people, and the, the God's temple, and that he's living amongst us when we're together. And then it's, for this reason, and he's about to release this powerful prayer, and it's almost like he takes a step backwards. No, no, you've really got to understand, this is what it means. We are one people. And you've got the whole first part of chapter 3 of us being one people. Um, This mystery, he loves to talk about the mystery. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. There's that word together again. Members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. It's hard to imagine, isn't it, how however we got to a place in the church where it all became about us, even if it was about us and God, as in me, the individual, and God. It's not that that's not true. Of course it's important in your relationship with God. But how often do the Gospels, how often does Jesus put the context of the kingdom and everything about it in 
the body rather than just in you. Um, so it is together. And he reminds them of this mystery, this importance of being together. Now, in the first part of Ephesians 3, and of course he's going to come back to it much later in chapter 6, he first sort of picks up that theme of the, why it's important to be together. His intent was to show that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. If we're to see the enemy defeated in this area, now what would that look like? That would look like lots more healings, lots more miracles, lots more salvations, lots more finances. It would mean those five things not being stolen from us. Because when we have stood against God, quite rightly and correctly, in all those five things, we often just picture God, the enemy against us as the church, sort of, I don't know, if, I, if, if you're like me, you kind of see us here. And what God is saying is, you're, you're, you're claiming those five things for this region. You're chasing the enemy out of this town, because there's so many people in this town that needs to know him. And if they know him, they, they step into those things of God. And you see, and suddenly God says, well, yeah, that's right for you, but look, I want you to think a lot bigger than that. You know? And uh, that, that, for me, is a change. I've really, I've really just tended to thought about the 120, 140 of us, say, walking in the fullness of those five things. And God's saying, no, think of the 60,000 in the town. Then think of the 100-odd thousand in the borough. You know, and then you get into Yorkshire. That's not even Yorkshire, and that's in our name. <laughs> So his intent is that through the church, the body, the body together, together, members together, sharing together, through the body, the manifold wisdom of God should be known. The, the word manifold there, if you read the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, when uh, Joseph's coat is described, it's called manifold. So it's, and you can translate it many coloured as well as all the other discussions. So it's talking about the many coloured wisdom of God. The many shades, the many varieties, the, the, the sheer beauty, the, the multicoloured wisdom of God. How beautiful is that? Uh, the multicoloured wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. You see, the thing is, they need to know the mystery too. Now, in a sense, they will know. But they need to know that we know and that we're enforcing it. You know, it's quite famous in this country at the moment that 20 mile an hour limits have been enforced in many towns and cities. We saw a load in Leeds on uh, Tuesday night. It's also well known that they're very rarely enforced. And as a result, they've discovered by various surveys, I don't know how they've done these things, that where the... um, Speed limit has been reduced from 30 to 20. The average speed is reduced by one mile an hour because they're not enforced. Now, that's a whole other argument whether they believe they should be or not or whether that's great or whether it's not. That's irrelevant to what we're talking about. But it is the same way that the rulers and authorities in the spiritual realms operate. They want to know if it's going to be enforced because if it's not, they're going to do what they want. But if you remind them of what God says, they will bow down to that. Because they cannot not do so. Because we stand with the authority of Christ. But if we don't stand with the authority of Christ, they don't have to worry about it. 
according to his eternal purpose. So, Paul says, let's approach God with freedom and confidence. Remember I said that the word freedom is an unusual word there, really, because it means frank speaking. Just say what's on your mind before God. Don't have a, have a hidden uh, kind of itinerary, maybe, or a hidden thing, or there's things going on in, behind. You know, just say it to God where you are and where you're at. There's no point trying to pretend yourself into a different place with God. I mean, that's different to you repent of your bad attitude and then you stand before God. That's 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 really healthy thing to do. But sometimes you're not quite in that place of repentance. So you just talk to God as it is and then you'll be in a place of repentance. Okay? It's just not hiding everything. It's it's uh, it's it's refusing to have a victim mentality. You see a lot of people feel like they're victims of sin. Whatever that sin is, sin done to them or sins they get involved in. Um, and, and different ones in us will have different struggles with different areas in this room. Some of you might have serious struggles with some areas of sin and you, you want to keep that quiet because you're ashamed of it. Uh, and the, but the problem is, is, is you, can, you can feel like you're a victim of that. It's like it controls you. And of course the truth is it sets you free. But you know you've got this ongoing battle and you get into this spiral of negativity if you're not careful and your faith is cut off at the roots because you, every time you pray all you can think of yeah I do have this struggle when you pray the blood of Christ avails for all sin even if you've done it 592 times that week the blood of Christ avails for that sin and our focus has to be on the stuff that is of God to overcome those things. Because if you focus on those things or you're worried about those things, that's when you start to become a victim. And they start to control you. And they start to dictate to you. And they limit the authority and the power you can walk in. The, very, the sins themselves. It's like you become... If somebody is sinned against, if somebody has something terrible done to them, they can often find their, their whole life is restricted because of the difficulty of forgiveness, but also they can identify as a victim, and then that victim mentality keeps them pushed down. If you look at Paul at the beginning of this chapter 3, he talks about being a prisoner. He is at the moment in, uh, in prison. For this reason, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of the Gentiles, surely, of, and he goes, he just, he, he mentions it, but he's, if you then read what he then goes into, he is completely and utterly refusing to have a victim mentality. I mean, he, he, he has every right to be feeling very miserable, very unhappy. Where on earth is God in all of this? I'm supposed to be an international apostle and I'm sitting in a prison cell for two years. You know? What, 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 where's God in that? He could have been going, where's God in this? I've got this anointing, God. I should be in France by now, or even that funny little island across the, that little block of water with the really rough people up the top. <laughs> Instead, I'm stuck in this prison. God, do you know what you're doing? It's like I was saying the other day, you know, we're like toddlers, really. We, we can't see the big picture of the parents sometimes. It just feels bad. But God's got a, a much bigger perspective. So we don't want that victim mentality. We've got to be like, Paul, well, okay, this might be my situation right now. But actually, I'm part of the body of Christ. 
And actually there are t- eternal purposes in operation in my life. You know, probably the most significant things you, you do for eternity in your whole life will be things you do by accident. Because the Holy Spirit just told you what to do and you did it without thinking about it too much. <laughs> That's my theory anyway. Maybe it's not a good one. But it is that idea of how often we just get in the way of God by trying to think it out. So then we get to this prayer, which is where I want us to pray tonight when we pray. But I'm going to let you share first, Claire. Because when we pray, we're not praying out of a victim mentality. We're not praying out of, oh, it would be great to have 100 people here, or 200 people here, or even 1,000 people here, which would be interesting. We're not praying out of that. We're not praying out of what we see physically. We're praying out of the glorious riches of God, as it says here. The glorious riches. It, 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 it literally means the glorious, or the glory, the doxa, is the word that's being used, that, that refers to God's glory. His unlimited riches, of, his unlimited resources of glory. We're not to have a victim mentality about what God's doing with us either. The spiritual significance of the fun we have tomorrow night, because it is in the name of Christ, can have ramifications for generations unless Jesus comes back. And we will only know a a fraction of what God does. That is our attitude, the unlimited resources of God. Something in one of the sketches that's just said can be the very thing that just goes through to somebody and communicates something of the truth of the gospel for the first time ever. You just cannot tell. It's often not erudite wisdom that changes people's minds. It's often not the most persuasive theological argument that really convinces a person to move. It is some words spoken that God anoints that brings the real change. It's why you never need to worry if you're trying to talk to somebody about what it means to be a Christian. Yes, we should prepare. Yes, we should be read. Yes, we should do everything we can to be good at what God's given us to do, of course. But he gives us the words. And really, even when he gives us the words, it's his anointing that's on the words as they go into the ears of the person listening and connect with their brain that's really going to make the difference. You know, sometimes you think, am I getting anything through? Yes, you are. Seeds will be planted that God will water, that God will bring to fruition. Glorious riches is what we're praying out of, that we may be strengthened with power through the Spirit in our inner being. So there's a strengthening going on, and there's a dynamis being released as you probably everybody seems to know in the Christian world, dynamis, dynamite. It's that explosive power of God. So we're being strengthened to allow the power of God to manifest through us. That's why God is talking about being together, working together, sharing together, being together the dwelling place of God. Because the power that God wants to reside within us is far more than any person could hold. You see, that's why God is emphasizing his body so much. He's done a lot of preparation. It's taken decades to get to where we are today from when he started to move with his spirit in the, in the early 1970s. And now he's got to work on bringing us all back together again so that we can go to the next place where God wants us to be. 
in, in what he's been doing for decades. It's very exciting to be here at this time, having seen all that. But this power is so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. It's interesting, I looked at the Greek because I thought, oh, Christ living in my heart. That's that one thing you often hear people say, you don't ask Christ into your heart. You ask him to take over your whole life. And I know where they're coming from. And the Greek is cardia, it is heart. Jesus does live in your heart, in your cardia, where we get cardiology from and all that stuff. Uh, through faith. It, it, I mean, the, 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 uh, the Greek obviously is a, an analogy of your innermost being, of, of the core of who you are. It's living in your mind, your soul, your spirit. It's, it's Jesus being infused with Jesus. But I just thought, oh, it's in the Greek. It's not just an English idiom that's grown up. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may, may have power together. <laughs> See what I mean about this word together in this book? that you may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love surpasses knowledge that you may be fulfilled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I'll just read the last bit because it's so good. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. So easy to let go of that, you know, because we're so used to it. And it sneaks back in again, the limitations, without, without noticing that you, you started to limit again. Usually we've limit, we limit God because of what we have seen before. And that's how people get to a place where the church doesn't believe in miracles or speaking in tongues or any manifestation of the Spirit. Because the enemy, very sneakily, allied with the fresh flesh just takes away a little bit here and a little bit here and a little bit here and, you, and it slowly sinks down and down and down until you end with a very dead and dry church but it's not much different you can be up here in the spirit and the enemy's still trying to just take away a little bit so you might be used to praying for miracles but then you've prayed for a few or a few healings and not seen anything happen and the enemy just allows a little ceiling to come in there and you hit your head against it a couple of times and it hurts so you sink a bit lower And you pray at that level, and then the enemy just brings in another little ceiling. So you hit your head on that ceiling, so you just lower your expectations of what God can do amongst a group of people like us each time. Well, we're not going to let that happen anymore. You know, there's that defiant spirit, I think, that comes from people who are together. So it's, we'll know... um, I know that power together, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Throughout all generations. What we do here in Scarborough in 2018, in the beginning of this millennium, wouldn't it be great that in the beginning of the next century, there's just a massive work of God assuming Jesus doesn't come back, of God that came out of that because it's been carried by the succeeding generations. This is not something that God is just doing for us here and now. It's to pass on to the next spiritual generation, that they would run with it for the next spiritual generation. So many moves of God have petered out. And one of the reasons this has been such a difficult work of God to see is the vision has always been that it would be for the next generation to take up and carry. We, we, we can pray for the generation after the next generation, but really the generation after the next generation, in a sense, will be the next generation's responsibility. Our generation is for this generation and the next. 
We can pray into the next. We certainly can. But the people that will really lead the next after the next will be the next. And then the next after the next will be responsible for the next after the next after the next. So we've got to make sure they get that vision for the next. Yeah. <laughs> it all made sense. <laughs> so as we pray for tomorrow night, I think having our Bibles open on that particular place is where we're going to pray from. Particularly that we are praying out of the glorious or the unlimited riches, the unlimited resources of God's glory. Yeah, that's, that's my prayer in, in what God does. Right, Claire, your turn. I'm grabbing my coffee, yeah. Um, I hope I can communicate this well. This is a bit more of a kind of what God did rather than said, so we'll see if I can communicate it. So tomorrow night, after the message, we're doing a response, kind of response song so that people can reflect. And we started practicing about four weeks ago, and it's got... In the chorus, it's got this one phrase, the king is here. And for two weeks, solid, it was really annoying, but I really, really liked the song, thankfully. The song just kept going over and over in my head, and particularly that phrase. And I kept having to play it at work, wherever I was. I kept singing in my head. If I was at home, I kind of just, I just ended up praying, and I just ended up with all these kind of like real sort of mini encounters with God. And I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't know what he was saying. But it, was just every, it wasn't just every day. It was all day, every day. And I'm not actually fed up with the song, which is quite a relief, um, until after tomorrow night. Then I never have to think about it again. But um, it just kept going over and over for two weeks. Or maybe we'll keep going. And so about two weeks ago, and up to this point, I had the message for tomorrow was sorted. It was all fine. I like to do it way in advance then. Kate knows that it's sorted and she doesn't need to worry. It's all fine. Then two weeks ago, it was just going over my head. And I was like, God, what are you saying? And I just had this, such a, a weighty, I can't really describe it. It was just such a weighty encounter with God where he just started just saying to me, the king is here. The king is here. The king is here. And what does that look like? And tomorrow night, the king is going to be here. And he just kept saying, the king is going to be here. The king is here. And um, it was at that moment he gave me a completely different message, which was a bit frustrating, but it happens. And it wasn't the day before, which I'm quite thankful for. Um, But I just wrote down, just you'll think of loads of other things, but what does it mean that the king is here? And this is just what I wrote. When a king is in our presence, we live and we act differently. There's a consciousness of actions and behavior There's a speech that's appropriate to his position. When the king is here, we know there is power to see things change. And when we have the ear of a king, we have hope that the things that need changing will and that justice will come. And we've got the ear of the king. As we pray tonight, we've got the ear of the king so we can know that things are going to change. Even tomorrow night, things can change. We may see it, we may not see it, but things will change because the king is going to be here. And I can't really communicate. It was just such a powerful thing. And I just pray that just we worship, that we just get that revelation that our father is here, our savior is here, but the king is here. And that changes everything. It changes everything about how we act, how we speak, how we worship, how we do everything we do tomorrow night, how we talk to people. Um, 
And part of the message is going to be around people around coming to a bit of a crossroads. And I just wanted to share that because just as we pray, can we pray alongside Ephesians 3 that there is that real revelation that the king is here, whether people know that or not, but we get it. And, and that as people stand with a choice to think about the choice and their crossroads, that the people say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this path. I'm going to explore this path. Um, and I'm going to see things change in my life. So I just wanted, I just wanted to share that. And however that leads us to pray, um, we will. But the king is here. And he's here tonight. And I don't know what revelation that's going to bring. But hopefully it will bring some for us. Oh, man. The king is here. Um, Brian, I'm going to ask you to do something a little unusual. <laughs> he looks nervous. <laughs> it's not that bad. Um, I, no, no, it's not play the keyboard. <laughs> We've discussed that before. <laughs> no, it's just on that the king is here. Um, obviously, the king is here now, but that the king is here in the sense of tomorrow night. And in fact, everything. I mean, December has become quite a special month for, I think, for us as Kingdom Faith because we've, <coughs> we've built together a series of things where we do genuinely connect with people in the community. Uh, and the fun day was really interesting because you could see that a lot of those people there already had connections. We were actually celebrating with people that a lot of them, not every one of them by any means at all, there was a lot of new people as well, but they felt that they were part of the summit. Uh, and that's, that actually is quite a privilege, that they, they feel like that. Uh, and obviously that's an important stage in, the, in, in their journey. Um, but the, the December is that thing where you sort of, you have these events that all tie together. They're all slightly different, slightly wet, but they, they very much can help someone come right through to really knowing God as well as just coming to a place where they feel they can trust us and that it might be worth listening to what we've got to say because we're not so weird after all. You know, we do do a few strange things, but we're not that weird. Uh, so maybe it's worth listening to. And the weirdness that they then see would be things like the fact that uh, by the grace of God, we are a pretty nice bunch and we do love one another and we do care about people and we're not all you know, really, really selfish. I mean, it doesn't sound very much, but for a lot of people, they don't see that at all. You know, it's quite, uh, could be quite a harsh world of people out for number one all the time. I'm not saying there's not some lovely people out there. There are some very lovely people out there. But, um, so Brian, uh, I think, this is just going to be a picture to enable us to pray your thing, really. I think it really fits with the last verse that I didn't focus on that much. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and ever. But that ask or imagine according to the power, and of course he doesn't say according to the power that God has in heaven. Did you notice that? 
He said, according to the power that is in us. And so again, he's saying, the body, according to the power that's within us. So Brian, uh, we're going we're gonna to worship in a minute, but uh, what I think I'd like you to do um, is go out, uh, go out that way, go, go out through the side door and go to the doors the other side of the hub. And then let us worship a little bit. And you're going to be the physical representation of what's going to happen tomorrow night. That as we worship tomorrow night, as we do what we do, because everything we're doing tomorrow night, even, even funny sketches and people singing daft songs and all that kind of stuff, actually is worship. It might sound strange, but we're doing it for God. We're doing it for Jesus. He's not as fussy as we think he is. He's after the heart. Why are you doing that? Because we want to celebrate who Jesus is. So yeah, and then just walk in. And I'd like you to walk in and just sit down where you normally sit. Uh, and as you see Brian walking in, see that is exactly what happens in the spirit. And was exactly what God's going to do tomorrow night. I mean, there are some important people who are going to walk through those doors and sit down. But this is the important person. The important person of important persons. <laughs> and he's going to... As Brian walks in, picture tomorrow night, Jesus walking in through the hub and sitting down to be part of the evening. Because I don't think he wants to, he's not, he's not, sometimes you think if Jesus comes, everybody just be on their faces. And you know, I, I don't know if that's true. It can be true. But sometimes he comes just to be part of what the people are doing. Particularly when it's focused on him anyway. Even if it's focused on him amidst tinsels and lights and even a Father Christmas. He knows. He knows where our hearts are. So he's not worried about that. He knows we're only doing that because we're having fun and we're helping people to feel more comfortable with what we're doing and to laugh and to be a bit more open. He knows. So yeah, just... Use that picture of Brian as Jesus, of the king walking in and sitting down to be part of it. And then you can see, yeah, he can do immeasurably more than we could think or imagine, because he's here. The king is amongst us. Wow. It's removing that ceiling. So, let's stand and worship and pray. And, uh, I'll leave if people want, have got things later on. I don't mean much later on because it's, it's, it's getting on. I'll leave this here if you've got something you want to pray. And we'll also uh, take communion shortly. But um, let's just worship God. and uh, Use Brian coming in to just stir that. God can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine because the king is here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's pray, church.
we celebrate this meal, that scripture is still just as true that God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or think of. Sometimes this meal is, you know, just almost looked on as a a relic of tradition. It's not a relic of tradition. It was started by Jesus. It's comes from the deep meaning of the the Passover and thus as we saw with the arms raised in the air in the teaching of worship where an arm raised in prayer can defeat the enemy because it's just as clear language as speaking this is a clear language to those powers and authorities that when the body of Christ together celebrate the bread and the wine together to remember what Jesus has done It is powerful. It is prayer in itself. It releases power in itself because it is prayer. It's not that there's a magic in this. It's the prayer that it is. It's the prayer that it represents. It's the language that we are speaking as we take the bread and we take the wine to honor Jesus, to remember Jesus, to respect Jesus, to worship Jesus, to praise to Jesus, to proclaim the honour of Jesus across Scarborough and our region and uh, as we were worshipping I was just saying to the Lord how do you want to do this tonight and uh, he told me to turn to John which puzzled me because if you know your gospels it's not there and if you know that you won't find Holy Communion in the gospel of John which is interesting isn't it (laughs) but the Lord took me to chapter 13 because John's very interesting he he calls himself the disciple who Jesus loved he's obviously somebody and he was the disciple that leaned his head upon the breast of Jesus at communion Uh, he was obviously very close to God and his letters later on you know are full of the love of God and and a, a real insight into Jesus And so it's interesting that of all people, he doesn't have Holy Communion as Holy Communion in the the Gospel. But he does have this. You see, at the beginning of this chapter, uh, he does refer to what they're doing. He says, the evening meal was in progress. Well, that's the Passover. That's where Jesus instigated the new covenant. But he tells this story that I'm going to read shortly as you guys play. Because... I think what John is doing is something quite deliberate. He's telling a story of communion in action. That's all I'm going to say, I think. The story of communion in action. As I read this story, what we're seeing is the same as the message of communion. So, And as we know, well, in this story, you don't know yet because I haven't read it, so I'm going to have to tell you a little bit what it's going to be. It's the story where Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. So Jesus goes to the disciples. Because very often, one way of taking communion is to come forward, isn't it? But tonight, I've asked uh, our leaders to stand in for Jesus because that's what leaders do. It's where the word vicar comes from. It means in place of. Vicarious. So... Brian and Shona are going to stand in and they're going to bring, as I read this story, they're going to bring to you the bread and the wine. 
in the same way Jesus came to each individual disciple to wash their feet and tonight without any mention of the bread and the wine in this scripture you'll see that we're taking communion in the story of Jesus washing the disciples feet because he was taking on board the role of the lowly servant but even the lowly servant didn't give his life for the master and Jesus the servant chose to die for us so I'm going to read this story as you guys continue uh, worshipping playing and just receive from God as we do God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine as we use this in prayer so we're still praying for tomorrow night we're still praying for all the events but in a very different way we're standing in the gap in communion as people called to serve in this town hallelujah remember Paul in this chapter calls himself a table in the chapter in Ephesians he calls himself the table waiter the waiter on tables the servant hallelujah into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness if anyone hears my word but does not keep them I do not judge that person for I did not come to judge the world but to save the world there is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words the very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father would have told me to say. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all under his power, and that he had come from God, and that he was returning to God. So, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him.
came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize what I'm doing right now, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you should never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that's why he said that not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes again and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher. You call me Lord. And rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed when you do them. I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill this passage of scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he'd said this, Jesus was troubled and testified, Very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another, at a loss to know which one of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to his disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, John asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I've dipped it in the dish. Then, dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, Satan entered into him. Jesus told him, what you are to do, do it quickly. No one at the meal understood why Jesus had said this to him, but since Jesus had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or give something to the poor. 
As soon as Jesus had taken the bread, he went out. It was night. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now, the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself, and will glorify him at once. My children, I will only be with you a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so must you love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. <laughs> Nevertheless, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I was going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you will also may be where I am. You do know the way to the place where I am going. Every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. 
pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen So representing a different generation, Josh, could you come and read the same passage? It's not a spiritual generation, it's a physical generation. For this reason I kneel before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth drives its name. I pray, I pray that out of his glorious riches he strengthens you in power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you be rooted and established in love. May the power together with all all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long, how high, deep the love of Christ and to know that this love surpasses knowledge that may be that you may be filled to the, measure, to the measures of the fullness of God yes. now to him who is able to imagine immeasurably more than all we ask and imagine according to his power that is that is working within us to him the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him 
who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. A generation is reckoned to be roughly every 20 years. So I've asked Michelle, she's somewhere in the middle. I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth defies his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people grasp how wide and how long and how and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do all immeasurable more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that this is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen Amen Thank you Father as we stood and read that scripture Lord from four different generations amongst us we thank you Father that this power and this immeasurably unlimited resources of your glory may indeed reach all generations both physical and spiritual generations Lord that we would pass on to another spiritual generation that would carry the baton that would carry the light into another generation yes, Father we thank you for that prayer of Paul that is fresh to us tonight as it was when Paul first wrote it as he said as you read these things I pray that you will get insight into the mystery and Father we thank you that as we read quite familiar words I pray Father that we would have revelation that our faith would be lifted beyond the ceiling that the enemy would seek to put on upon us that we would believe for things again that we've kind of let go of a bit because we haven't seen them and Father the only reason we haven't seen them is we didn't have the revelation and as we have the revelation we thank you Father that we move forward more and more and more because as the collective people of God as the people together Your power can rest amongst us, even as you dwell in your holy temple, the place of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. wasn't quite how I imagined the prayer going, but it's always interesting what, how the Holy Spirit decides it to go. Praise God. Amen. It's going to be a good night to, tomorrow night. Thank you for coming out tonight, uh, even though most of you will be, if not all of you, will be there tomorrow night. 
Awesome. It's time for the light to shine. We are a city on a hill. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.